I like to share my experiences. So it's not that I plan things with you and then use that for the intention of coming in here to talk about it on Sunday morning. It just, I experienced so many things. And one of the things that happened yesterday I've got to share with you is this. When we paddled out to the sandbar, I did not realize how large this thing was because looking at it, it just looks like a, a, a hump on the uh, horizon. But when you get on it and you get over to the top and you look at it, and it goes on and on forever and ever. But there was an object out in the water that I saw, and I looked at Brian and I asked, you know, is that a sailed ship? As in, you know, one of the old pirate-style ships that's got the, the big sails because that's what it looked like. And I know that at Tybee Island occasionally they have the Jolly Roger come through every once in a while, and he looked at it and he said, no, I think it's just a shrimping boat. And I said, I think you need to use your imagination some because I want it to be a pirate ship. And he played along with me. He's like, you know what? You're absolutely right. It is a pirate ship. And a little bit later, we saw it again and it had turned to where the port side was facing us. And the nets were sticking out like this. And he goes, and, and those are the cannons, Tommy. We're just waiting for them to fire. <laughs> it was a good time. And I, I don't really, that really doesn't have anything to do with today's sermon. I just wanted to share that with you. I thought it was funny that sometimes we want something to be something that it's not that it's so easy to get lost in our imaginations, but we, as Brian points out, we have to bring ourselves back to the reality of everything. It was a shrimp boat. It was not a pirate boat, but it was a good adventure. I enjoyed it. Growing up, my family had different items or structures, things that they had built or photographs of themselves that, that they used to remind themselves of, of the days gone by. And not necessarily just the good old days, but, but the struggles they went through because they recognized that those struggles is what made them who they are. That was their times in the wilderness. And it's important to remember those times. See, today in our series... We're celebrating that, that we've made it. We're out of the wilderness. But, but God gives specific instructions to, to Joshua for when he brings Israel out of the wilderness into the promised land. He tells them to do something, to make something, so that people remember. Today's passage of Scripture comes from the book of Joshua, chapter 4, verses 19 through 24. It says, on the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones that had they had taken out of the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we all had crossed over. And he did this that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, as we come before you during this part of the worship service, Father, just ask that you be with me. Give me guidance. Give me words of hope and inspiration. 
as we celebrate coming out of the wilderness into the promised land. Help us, Father God, to hear your words. Take from me any desire to speak my own. Empty me and fill me with your spirit that every word that flows from my mouth would be from your throne. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I look at this passage of Scripture, and if you read the passages before, it is pretty much each paragraph is kind of repetitive of what's happened. To, so to summarize, what has happened here is this. Israel has spent 40 years in the wilderness since they have left Egypt. And when they first left Egypt, they left with the intentions or, or with the desire that they were immediately going to someplace better than where they were coming from. And what they didn't know was that they had to spend some time in the wilderness to be disciplined, to, to learn to, to be a new people, to learn to depend on God. For he's more than just a, a word that rolls off their tongues but to learn how to talk to him and worship and to learn how to depend upon him for each and every need and to learn how to become a community of people, to learn to, to work with one another and, and, and deal with one another. And those times in life can be difficult but important, very formative to who we are as a people. And if we listen and pay attention to what's going on in life and examine our own selves, during those times, what we find is, is that we develop and become more mature as Christians and more effective in the plans that God has for us. Those who don't benefit from that time in the wilderness are the ones who are in such a hurry to get out. We already know the answers. We already know what to do. I know how to do everything. I'm large and I'm in charge. And they spend that time trying so hard to, to get out of that uncomfortable place that they don't learn what the rest of the people did. So that when they get to the promised land, they're not prepared to effectively receive the blessings that God has for them. But I think that we as a people have, have wandered through our wilderness. And I think it's been a difficult time, emotionally and spiritually. But I think that we as a, as a people have entered a new era in life. I think that we have crossed the Jordan River into the promised land. And this is what happened when they got to the Jordan. Moses, the one who was called to lead them out of Israel through the wilderness, got to the Jordan with those people. But he didn't make it into the promised land. God called him up to the mountain and reminded him, Moses, there was this time that you didn't obey me. And because of that, I can't let you into the promised land. And we think that that, that might be pretty tense on God's part to, to do so. And if we look at only the acts of discipline, we miss the blessings. But see, God could have taken Moses at that point in time. But instead, he called him to the top of the mountain and he said, you can't enter, but, but I'm going to let you see. And that's what we call mercy. And what Moses saw 
was the promise that God had made to Israel. Traced all the way back to the time of Abraham. From the top of that mountain he stood and he saw the city of Jericho. From the top of that mountain it's recorded that he's able to see the city of Jerusalem and see all the way to the Mediterranean Sea. He saw it with his own eyes before leaving this world. But God being the great God he is, when one leader left, he didn't leave the people abandoned. He called forth another leader, and that leader was Joshua. Joshua was, was the only spy who went into the promised land and came back with the report that was good. Out of all the spies that, that went in originally to the promised land, they all came back and reported to Moses. He says, we can't go there. The people are too large. They will overtake us. But Joshua came back and said, yeah, that's true, but we can handle this. Okay. He didn't leave the people deserted. And that day came when the waters of the Jordan parted, just like it did at the sea. And God gave instructions to take 12 stones from the Jordan and carry them across with you and set those stones up as a memorial. And when your children come and ask what this means, tell them that what God did in the past, he did in the present. That, that God parted the, or the waters coming from Egypt so that we could pass, and he did the same thing at the Jordan to remember the mighty works of God. And not just to remember, but to know and walk with confidence that if God brought us through that, he can bring us through this. And if he brings us through this, he can bring us through that. And it is so important for us to remember that as a people. See, I would love to say that, that life isn't going to be from this point forward free of conflict because it, that is not going to be true. But no matter where we go, no matter what we do, God is always present with us and goes before us. I kind of wanted to touch on this next week and I think I'm going to go ahead and kind of move into it today. When we look at those stones and we're asked to remember the mighty works of God, I think it's important to remember where that story began. You see, that story began with a guy named Abraham who was called by God to go to a place that he didn't know. 
In other words, God was going to give you instruction daily on where to go to. He gave him a vision of what tomorrow might be. Now, the funny thing about vision is this, is is that when we think about a vision, if you're like me, you want all the details. And when God doesn't give all the details, when he just gives the direction that we need to go, I start filling in the blanks myself. And when I start doing that, I start stepping out of the will of God, meaning I have let go of my trust in God and decided to put my trust back into me. And there was a guy that I love to read about in the Bible, and he is a descendant of Abraham, his great-grandson, and his name was Joseph. Joseph was this amazing young man. He was 17 years old, it's believed, during this part of his life, and, and he was loved by his father, who's, by the way, his name was Israel. And Joseph was the youngest of all. And his father, y'all know, they, they, they gave him that coat of many colors that, that he wore. But he came forward one day. He wasn't really loved by his brothers, and he went out to his, his brothers as they worked in the fields, and he would come back oftentimes and give a report to, to Israel about what was going on. And sometimes that report wasn't too favorable. It might have been honest. It might have been truthful. I don't know, but it wasn't always favorable. The, the scriptures tell us that. But that was the task that he was given. And one day, Joseph came before his brothers and said this, Guys, I had a dream, and let me tell you about this wonderful dream I had. He said that we were putting our sheaves together, and there were 11 sheaves, and when they all were laying down, mine stood up, and yours bowed before mine. And here's how his brothers interpreted that. They didn't take it lightly. And, but the reality is this is what happened, according to Scripture, is that the brothers looked to Joseph and said, so are you telling me that one day I'm going to bow to you? Oh, my goodness, that, that just blew their mind. They weren't happy about that. Younger brother here that doesn't do the work that we do, that is daddy's boy, is telling us that, that he's going to be our great leader. You know, and, and what they call that is a vision. What I want you to understand about Joseph's vision is this. It was sheaths standing up. Now, do we really expect God to fulfill that vision the way that he saw it? As sheaths standing up? No, because there was a, a deeper message in that vision. And he didn't just stop there. He had another dream where he saw the sun and the stars and the sheaves, and they all bowed before him. And he told it to his father, and even his father, who loved him dearly, said, hold on, son, are you saying that me and your mom are going to bow to you one day? It didn't bode very well with him, but Joseph was this amazing, resilient boy. I, I, I think, like me, sometimes I stay so happy I don't pay attention to all the other stuff that's going on around me. I like happy. I want to be happy. I want to be surrounded by happy. And even when the world around me is negative, I want to be happy. I learned to be that way because I learned I can't change circumstance. But I change the way I respond to it, so I choose to be happy at least 89% of the time. So Joseph goes out to check on his brothers one day. And they're out in the field, uh, out near Dothan, and they see him coming, and lo and behold, would you believe that the brothers did not say, here comes Joseph, my beloved, here comes Joseph, let's prepare something for him so that he will 
can be nourished when he gets here? No, he, they didn't. They looked at him and they said, here comes Joseph. Let's get rid of him. And that's what happens sometimes when you start to have a vision of your own. Each and every one of you have a vision in life. You may not recognize it as a vision, but it is a vision and it is yours. It's what gets you up in the morning. It's what propels you forward in the day. And it's what keeps you focused on your tomorrow. And there are going to be people in your life friends, relatives, and strangers who are going to come to you and say to you, it's never going to happen. But friends, no matter how much care they have for you, they're not God. And that's one of the things that they had to learn in the desert is this. You don't rely on friends and relatives to determine your path for you. You don't rely on society and society's rules to determine your path for you. As individuals, you have a vision in life of some sort, and you follow that vision until it's completed, no matter what happens. Now, for Joseph, Joseph has an experience that, that most of us will never have, okay? His brothers did not like the idea of his vision. They didn't like what was being said to it. So in order to deal with it, they didn't talk to him. They didn't ask him what was going on. They decided for themselves how to interpret what he was saying. And they decided for themselves to imagine what it would look like some years from that point on. And their response was, let's kill him. Now, Joseph was lucky. He had at least one brother that, that didn't want to see him dead, and he convinced the other, no, let's just throw him in the cistern that's over here, so, which is kind of, it's not a well because a well pulls water in from the ground so that it's um, drawn from that area. A cistern is more like a, a container, a sealed unit in the ground that will catch rainwater so that it won't spill out into the ground so that it's there. But this cistern just happened to be dry, so they, they cast him into the, the cistern, and the brothers sat there and ate. Could you imagine that? Oh, my goodness, somebody that loves you just threw you into a cistern and cares so much about you and is, and is so bothered by it that they do this. They sit down right beside you and eat. It's unbelievable, but I'm here to tell you, and this is not to be negative. This is just to be honest, okay? If we are going to fulfill visions in our life, we have to be strong individuals, and as strong individuals, we become a strong unit, Okay? People are going to cast you to the side. But you have to stay focused on your vision. Your vision is what God called you to. You may not perfect it. That's okay. But you keep walking toward it because it adds quality of life to you and it provides a witness to others because of your faith. And it leads you to a road of prosperity. But Joseph, who had this grand vision of life, was cast aside because of that. And they were still planning on killing him. But it was another brother who came by and said, we're not going to kill him. So instead they sold him into slavery. 
He was sold as an object of little to no value. Taken from his land and placed in Egypt. That's how we got there. That is how Israel first began their journey into Egypt. That's how it all happened. One person Now here's the thing. There's a lot of different theories on this thought. God causes things to happen. God works in things to happen. God lets things happen and then works in them. I don't believe that God intends for one person to do evil to another person. That is my personal belief. So I, what I'm saying is, is I don't believe that, that God said, I'm going to create all these brothers for Joseph, and they're going to be evil so that they will do these harsh things to him so that they can force him to go to Egypt, the land that he didn't want to go to, so that he can be there to, to help create a nation. I don't believe that's what happened. I believe it happened like this. God has given us each and every one life and ability and choices, and we choose how to respond as a people. And I think that, that his brothers had the option of saying, you know what, let's talk about your vision, Joseph, and let's put it in real context to how it's going to apply to life and our future. I believe that they had that choice. And I also believe that they chose not to act that way, that instead they acted irrationally and put him in a position that forced him to go to Egypt. They could have easily came back and said after some deliberating, you know what, Joseph, I think you're right. I think that your vision is good, and I think that you can't fulfill it here. I think you need to, to go here to Egypt and fulfill it. But that's not what happened. What happened was they used force to, to push him out of his land into a land that he didn't know. And we are thinking, oh, my goodness, this is such a horrible thing, aren't we? Because that's how we are if you were like me as a people when something that is out of my control happens in life. I do not like it. Now, I have tried to discipline myself over the years to, to not complain about those situations. And I've made improvement, but I've not perfected that. But here's what I have learned, that, that when we are put in those situations, that how we choose to handle it will determine the impact that we have on the people around us. And it will also determine how far I go in life and how quickly my vision is fulfilled. See, Joseph could have simply done this. He could have simply sat down and said, I am now a slave. I have lost all my freedom. I've lost everything that I've wanted in life. I've had this wonderful, wonderful vision of what my life is going to be like, but it's all gone because my circumstances say that it's all gone. He could have said that, and many of us will, will say that about life. But what we learn from Joseph at this point is this, that if we maintain our attitude, if we discipline ourselves toward a godly attitude about circumstances, then good things tend to happen. Because even though he was sold into slavery, his vision was not abandoned. And his blessings did not cease. 
because in that time he was sold to a member of Pharaoh's household, Potiphar. And, and during that time that, that he was with Potiphar, Potiphar noticed all of his skills and abilities that he had and wound up putting him in charge of his household. And it says that because of Joseph's skills, Potiphar never had to worry. And Joseph was blessed in that time. It's all about attitude. It's always about attitude. We are not looking at tomorrow saying it's not going to happen. We are not looking at tomorrow with our visions and saying there is no way possible. We are looking in tomorrow knowing that our God is already present. And we know he's present. Because of what Joshua did when he crossed the Jordan River. He took those 12 stones and he stacked them on one another at Gilgal so that people would look and see and ask the question, what is this for? And it's here to remind us that there's still hope, that there's still life, that there's still a plan, that, that your vision is good. It's just not always easy to fulfill. It tells us that if we remember our history, then we are likely prone not to repeat those things that shouldn't be repeated and that we will be knowledgeable in being able to, to do those things that we know works. And we know from our history that Joseph, who had this grand vision, chose integrity each time he was faced with adversity. So I don't want to get too much into Joseph's story, but I will say this. Him being sold into slavery was not his first test of character. And there were things much larger that happened to him. And he was chose to face, he was faced to choose how he would respond and who he would be as a person. He didn't give up on his dream. And he didn't try to manipulate the circumstances to, to fulfill that vision. He trusted in God daily to provide his needs for them, knowing that God would be there in his future. So there was a great famine in the land sometime later. And Joseph had already predicted this. He told Pharaoh that there would be seven years to, of good fatty calves, of good harvest, but there's going to be seven years of famine. And 
Pharaoh took that young boy and put him in charge of their resources. And that day came when Israel's Israel being Joseph's father, not the nation, realized that there was little food in his land. He sent his sons to Egypt. And that's where Joseph's vision became reality. The very ones who betrayed him because of his vision. The very ones who who put his life in harm's way because of his vision unknowingly came to him because they needed provision. Isn't it funny how that works? That sometimes people we push away are the people we need most in the long run. And Joseph had every right to reject his family. But he didn't. Now, if you know the story, he played little games with them. That's okay. But in the end, he showed mercy. Bring my father to this land. And there will be plenty. And that's how it all started. And it does us good to remember those things. Now, you may not have 12 stones stacked up on your dining room table or in your front yard to to remember the, the history that's recorded in the Holy Scriptures. But I'm sure you have other items in your home. Pictures of your children when they were younger. Pictures of loved ones who's already gone home or, or, or crafts that were made. Things that help you remember how God brought us through difficult times and gave us multiple blessings. He did it then, and He'll do it now. So, no matter what you face, find your 12 stones and remember the things that God has done for you in the past because he's not quit yet. Let us pray. Father God, we close this portion of the service and just ask you to be with us as we go out into this week and we face all the challenges that you have for us. And Father, we know that that when we leave here that, that you are going forward with us into whatever life you have for us as individuals or, or as a community. Father God, help us to stand strong in the face of adversity. 
not just when we have to face those people that, that are putting us back or trying to keep us in our place, but, but even when we look within ourselves, Father God, and we look and we say that it can't be done, stir up our spirits, Father God, to help us remember that it can be done and stir up within us the passion to perform your will and fulfill the visions that we have for our days. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his face upon you. May the Lord make his countenance shine upon you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.